Hey there, and thanks for tuning in to a message from New King Church. We're a church located in South Burlington, Vermont, and our prayer is that this resource would help you find and follow Jesus. If you want to know more about our church and the ministries we have, check us out at newkingchurch.com. This morning's scripture reading is in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of, these, of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is an all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another, with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everybody. Twenty twenty draws to a close. It's been quite a year that we've gone through. We've had the pandemic, and I know there are people in this church that have lost family members. I know there are people in this church that were profoundly lonely as they isolated. We had an election. I've never seen this country more divided, and I know it divided families among us. It was really, really hard. We had the racial injustice come before us in this year more than any other time, and that was really hard. It's all disturbing, and at times we feel helpless and discouraged. So as we look forward, as we anticipate 2021, where do we look? Where shall our focus be? So my sermon this morning will be based on those verses that Katie read in Colossians 3, and I'm going to uh, ask four questions and then answer them. 
How about that? What is our focus? What do we practically do with that focus? How do we maintain that focus? And then the fourth question, why? Why do we have that focus? What, what do we do with that focus? What good is that focus? So before I dive into question number one, let's pray. Father God, I thank you that we can be here this morning. I thank you for the worship, for the scripture read. Father, I thank you that we can worship you and your son, Jesus. Now, as we read from your word, Father, help us to have ears to hear what your scripture says. Help me, Father, to speak clearly and to be faithful to your word. Help me to do this by the Spirit, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Above all else, our focus for 2021 should be on Jesus and his things. Jesus and his things. The first four verses of chapter 3. There are three things I want to bring out. First, a reminder then a responsibility, and then revelation. So three R's. Reminder, responsibility, revelation. How about that? Okay. Above all else, our focus must be on Jesus and his things. Look at verse 1. The reminder. If then, or as Katie read, since then you have been raised with Christ. A little further on, verse 3. For you have died. So the reminder that we have has to do with our identity as Christians, who we are. We are those that are raised from the dead. That's who we are. That's our fundamental identity. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and we've been made alive together with Christ from Ephesians chapter 2. That chapter also says we're raised up and we're seated with him in the heavenly places. That's who we are. We're born again. We're born from above, John chapter 3 tells us. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5. The verse that Ethan read, we've been buried with him in baptism, we're raised up in him through faith by the powerful working of God. That's Colossians chapter 2 and also Romans chapter 6. And so we as Christians, we need to be constantly reminded of who we are. We have to be reminded of our identity over and over again. I worked in aerospace for 37 years. I always had a name tag. Had my picture, my ugly face, and my name on it. I never had to worry about what I looked like or what my name was. I go, oh yeah, I'm Eric. That's who I am. We need the same thing. We need a constant reminder of who we are fundamentally in Jesus, we are those that are raised from the dead. We are alive. And now this portion talks about a responsibility. Once we know who we are, once we understand our, our identity, and that we need to then live accordingly. 
We know our identity. We live accordingly. So look a little further in verse 1b. So first off, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then down in, in uh, the next verse, verse 2, set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on the earth. So we have a responsibility based upon who we are to seek Jesus and his things. Notice it says that a couple of times. The things in heaven, not the things on the earth, the things that are above, the things that are where Jesus is. Seated at God's right hand, crowned with glory and honor. So, once we know who we are, we must act accordingly, and it begins with focus. We must be constantly occupied with Jesus. In verse 1, it says, seek the things. It's in the present tense. It means to keep seeking, to constantly seek. Continual. And what does that mean? It means to be focused on the one who reigns in heaven. His person, his work, his qualities, his purposes, his plans, his provision, his power, his authority. We focus on him. And we focus on his things. We don't just seek heaven. We think heaven. We set our mind on heaven. And that means, first of all, to view our lives through the eyes of the one sitting on the throne through Jesus. To have eternal perspective. While we're left here on earth, all that we do, all that we are, all our relationships, all our experiences are to be viewed through his eyes, with his perspective, applying his things, his qualities. We are to set our minds on things of Jesus and not on things of the earth. The next section will tell us what I mean exactly, what Scripture means by these things. And then finally in this section, the last verse, verse 4, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. It's speaking about the apocalypse, the revelation of Jesus Christ, when he will appear. And I want to tell you three things about this one verse. Three things. One, <laughs> your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden. That speaks to me, first off, of intimacy, of being with Christ in God, to be fully known and fully loved by Jesus. It speaks of intimacy. It also speaks of security. If our lives are hidden with Christ in God, we are in the Father's hands, and nothing can tear us out. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other thing in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. We have intimacy. We have security. This, again, is who we are. 
based upon where we are. We are wrapped tightly in the arms of Jesus. Amen? Who's awake? Amen? Okay. Second, Christ is our life. This means that we are organically united to Jesus as a limb is to the body or a branch is to the true vine, as it says in John 15. We are the body of Christ. We are connected to Jesus, the head of the body. Colossians 2 says that we are to hold fast the head and we're nourished and knit together and we grow with the growth that is from God. We are the bride of Christ, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. We are promised to Jesus. And then there's this thought of revelation. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also, you also, New King Church, you also, Fei-Fei, you also, will be with him in glory. Do you know that? That is the most astounding truth that I to this day cannot get over. We will be with Jesus in glory. Romans 8 teaches us that all creation is straining forward, groaning and longing for release from bondage to the day when Jesus will be revealed in all his glory, to usher in a new heavens and a new earth, where, is there, where there is no death and no more tears. Romans 8 describes it as the freedom of the glory of the children of God. <laughs> Astonishing. Our lives are totally and eternally wrapped up in Jesus. He is our life. Our life is hidden with him, and we will appear with him in glory. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? How, what do we practically do with that? When I was a young Christian, there was a phrase that went around about certain Christians and I haven't heard it in years. Maybe some of you older folks have heard it. Uh, ben, probably you have. He's so heavenly minded, he's no earthly good. And it had this connotation of there are Christians that all they talk about is heaven. And, and they, they exist in some kind of a spiritual nirvana where they're maybe sitting on top of a mountain and they're contemplating the heavenlies and they're no good to anybody. Is that what this passage means? If our focus is on Jesus, does it mean that we're no earthly good? No! That's not what it means at all. So part two. This would be verses 5 through 14. You see there's some negative things and there's some positive things. So what are we to do? We are, as Christians, as those that are born again, who have new life in Jesus, as those that have been raised from the dead, who are hidden in Christ, who will appear with him in glory, for now, we are, discard the th are, we are to discard the things of our former earthly life 
and adopt the things of our new life in Christ. We are to put off things of the earth and to put on the things of heaven, the things of Jesus. So first off, things of the earth, verse 5. Put to death, therefore. We have a license to kill. We are to put to death the things of the earth. Whatever is earthly in you. And Paul starts out with sexual sins. And we see in verses 5 and 6, they escalate. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness or greediness, which is idolatry. The first thing, sexual sins escalate and they take over your life. The word covetousness or greediness is a desire for more. You can never be satisfied. You are insatiable. It grows and it grows and it grows until that's what you worship. It's idolatry. It takes over your life. Second, verse 6, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Sexual sins invoke God's wrath. It's really interesting. When you study the New Testament, there are three times when sexual sins are named and right after it, the wrath of God is named. (laughs) Sexual sins. It is frightening. The most interesting place, the most complete case where this is, is in Romans chapter 1. And it says, the wrath of God is now coming down. How so? It's now being revealed, it says in Romans 1. Well, how is that? Three times. Three times in Romans chapter 1, it says, God gave them up. God gave them up to their sins. God says, okay, you don't want me? You don't want to set your eyes upon me? You don't want my person? You don't want my son, Jesus? Okay, go ahead. Have all the sexual sin you want. That is the wrath of God. Did you not know that? Sexual sins are very serious. Third, we must kill them before they take hold of our soul. We must kill them. Put them to death. We have a license to kill. Kill them. Now the next section, verses 7 through 9, Talk about sins of anger, frustration, intolerance, judgment, falsehood. Verse 7, and these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie one to another, seeing you have put off the old self with its practices. Brothers and sisters, so much hurt in the Christian church is caused by what we say to each other. We can be so hurtful to each other. Put it away. It has no place in the Christian life. The anger the wrath, the lying, the saying things that aren't true. We have to put it away. 
We must speak the truth and not lies. The most interesting book I read in 2020 was a book by Rod Dreher. It's called Live Not by Lies. It's aimed primarily, primarily at the political climate, but its principles are sound. Live by the truth, stand by the truth, apply the truth, suffer for the truth. Why? Because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Satan is a deceiver. He is a father of lies. To be, we need to be sons of God speaking the truth and not sons of the devil. Jesus says to Pilate in John chapter 18, for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. We need to put all these things away. It has no place in the Christian life. Maybe you're sitting there today, maybe you're online, and maybe this is touching a nerve. Maybe you're saying, I'm struggling with these things. We have an advocate. Jesus Christ, the righteous. We need to confess our sins and he will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Go to the cross if you're suffering with these. Put them away. And now you need to change your clothes. Now you need to change your clothes. Ben has got his denim britches on today and his, and his Tim's. He's looking like a good Vermont guy. It's great. You need to change your clothes. I'm a guy, I wear what's on top, right? That's how I put my clothes on. I can't tell you how many times I came down to go to work and Mrs. Carter took one look at me and she said, no, you're not wearing that. But it's on top, right? That's what us guys do. We wear what's on top. Verse 10. Put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. We must change our clothes. We need to put on the new self which is renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator. We reflect what we look at. We reflect what we look at. We are clothed with what we give our attention to. I have to turn to 2 Corinthians. There's a verse there that I must read because it's so perfect for this. 2 Corinthians uh, 3 in verse 18, Paul says, We all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, the focus is on the Lord and His glory, are being transformed into the same image. We become what we behold. From one degree of glory to, to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Verse 11. Jesus breaks down all barriers of race, religion, 
economic, social standing. Paul says, notice what he says, there's one really interesting word there, the very first word of chapter, or verse 11. Here, he says, here, there are no barriers. Here, on Williston Road, at New King Church, we are united in one body. We are reconciled through the cross. All hostility has been killed and put to death. Ephesians 2 tells us that. We are united together in Christ, and Christ is all. Now in verse 12, at the beginning, because we're so slow and so numb, we need to hear these things over and over and over. Paul gives us a refresher course on our identity. And he says three things. Paul says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You are chosen. You are holy. You are beloved. You are chosen by God. God chose you. You are holy. The term holy means to be, to be set apart, to be consecrated. I think of it of when we wash dishes. We take our dishes, we wash our dishes, and we dry them, and we put them in the cabinet, and they're ready for use. You are washed. You are cleaned. You are now fit for the master's use. You are consecrated, set apart for his use. You are holy. And you are loved. God loves you with an everlasting, pure love that seeks the best for you. If that is who you are, and it is, dress accordingly. Put on, therefore, as God's chosen, holy and beloved ones. And now we get this. We get the things of Jesus. <laughs> compassion. Dress with compassion kindness. In this day that we live, there's so much frustration, there's so much disappointment, there's so much anger, there's so much hate. My friends, be kind to each other. Be humble. Be meek. Be gentle. Have patience with each other. These are the things of Jesus. These are his qualities. Five qualities. Compassion, Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And then, Paul says, two things to do with that, two imperatives. In verse 13, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. Forbearance and forgiveness. So what does that mean? What does that really look like? Forbearance means... We put up with each other. It implies that we're not perfect. There's very few of us that are perfect here at New King. Very few. Frank's pretty good. He's got that nice hair going. There's very few. <laughs> we're dumbheads. We say the wrong thing. We do the wrong thing. We, we make mistakes. We, someone new walks in the room and we look at them and we look away and we don't go over and greet them and say hello. <laughs> Forbearance. Putting up 
with each other. Because you know what? Jesus puts up with us. Doesn't he? And our ignorance and our dumb head moves, he puts up with us. And forbearance also has a con- connotation of coming alongside and lifting up. To lift up those that are down. And forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiveness, forgiveness. We forgive because God has forgiven us in Christ. Forbearance and forgiveness. People are going to say and do things that are going to be hurtful. Forgive them. And then the one overarching superlative, Paul says in verse 14, and above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Put on love. Clothe yourself in love. All these things are things that we actively do and seek. We're to seek them, we're to think them, we're to act them. We're to put them on and make them part of our person. We get up in the morning and we say, I'm going to come to New King and I'm not going to grumble. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to come and I'm going to show compassion. I'm going to show love. I'm going to show forgiveness. I'm going to show gentleness, meekness, patience in this world and in church. Forgiveness leads to love. We are forgiven. God has forgiven us, and we therefore love. God has forgiven us much, therefore we love much. So with a focus on Jesus and his things, we act according to our identity. We live our new risen lives in Christ. We cast off the previous lives of sin and death. We take off those old stinky grave clothes and we put on Christ. How do we maintain that focus? How do we do it? What's there to help us? Three things. Next three verses. The peace of Christ, the word of Christ, and the lordship of Christ, Paul says. Verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. The peace of Christ. It's internal peace. It's external peace. Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker, The context that we read it here is we were called in one body, so we together are peacemakers. Jesus is our peace. Jesus makes peace. Jesus preached peace. And we are to have that. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. The term rule means like an umpire making a call, a ball or a strike, safer out. When, it, when we make decisions, when we choose how to act, we should choose paths that bring peace to the situation. We are peacemakers like Jesus, not escalators. We don't retaliate. We make peace. And then we have an, inter- an eternal peace within our hearts, let me tell you something. We've talked a lot about our identity. 
the enemy will attack our identity first and foremost to discredit us, to discourage us, and to sow doubt. Remember when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness? Satan came and he said, if you are the Son of God, three times, three times, he attacked the identity of Jesus. We must constantly remember who we are. We are chosen. We are holy. We are beloved. We are those alive from the dead. Christ is our life. Our life is hidden and protected in Christ with God. And we have not just the peace of Christ, but we have the word of Christ. Verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. When Jesus was tempted, he answered with Scripture. We have the word of Christ, the Bible, the Scriptures. Dwell in you richly. You must make it, have it be it in our, the home within us. It must become an essential fabric of who we are. We must eat it. We must consume it. We must digest it. We must feast on it. We must study it. We must meditate upon it. We must be people of the book. And this is precisely where we learn the things of Jesus. By devoting ourselves to the Bible to learn more of who Jesus is and what he does, his person and his work. And now here's amazing, an amazing thing. When we do that, when we focus on the scriptures, look at what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing each other. It doesn't stay inside. It bubbles up, and we become a benefit to those around us through the Word. The Word changes us, and then we change others with it. If we feast on the Word, if we feast on Jesus, then it will result in us teaching and admonishing each other in all wisdom. We will teach, we will build up, we will advise, we will encourage, we will correct other people's visions when their focus is off. That's what admonish means. And where does that lead? We take the word in. We spit the word out. We encourage and build up those around us, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with all thankfulness in your hearts to God. It leads to worship. The word of Christ dwells within us. Out it comes. We encourage others and we worship. And then finally, verse 17, the lordship of Christ. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. It is Jesus that saved us. It is Jesus that is raised. It is Jesus that is enthroned. It is Jesus that is at God's right hand. Jesus is Lord over all creation. He is Lord, and do we act like that in all that we say and all that we do? And then there's thankfulness in all three. All three things talk about thankfulness. The attitude of thankfulness should characterize us. The more we focus on Jesus, the more we focus on his person and his work, his things, the more thankful we become. Why? What's the reason for this? 
Let me end with this. Sometimes when you and I read a passage like this, we make a grave mistake. We get it wrong. The religious leaders of Jesus' day got it wrong. Many Christians today get it wrong. Maybe you get it wrong. What the purpose isn't. It's not to be better people. We see lists like this, do this, don't do that. We think, okay, we got to be better people. That's what I need to do. No. To follow rules and regulations, to make it into some kind of a, of a way to be acceptable to others in the church. i got to put on my church clothes today and go to church, and i got to be all nice. Sometimes we think it's a way to be acceptable to God. If I'm good enough, he'll accept me. We earn God's favor. No, no, that's not it. That's wrong. To have a checklist, to feel good about ourselves, to show others how good we can be. No, 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 no. Please, no. That is not the purpose. What is the purpose? Our purpose in the time that we're left here on earth is to replace the things of earth with the things of heaven, to bring Jesus and his things to earth where we are. We, as followers of Jesus, laser-focused on him, are to bring heaven to earth. Do you not understand that? That's what we mean about by bringing the kingdom. When we bring the kingdom of heaven, it's us bringing Jesus and his things practically to earth. Our calling as Christians in Burlington, Vermont, is to advance the kingdom of heaven. And we do this by bringing Jesus and his things. That is our mission, that is our commission, that is our stewardship, that is our responsibility, that is our work, that is our purpose. God chooses to use us here while we're left, left here. First off, we bring the person of Jesus through the gospel. 2 Corinthians 5 says we are ambassadors of Christ. We are ministers of reconciliation. God chooses to use us to bring the word of the gospel to a lost world. We are his representatives. We go in his authority and his power. We bring Jesus. Secondly, we bring the things of Jesus, the things of heaven, to bear on the issues and the problems of the earth. We bring compassion. We bring kindness. We bring humility. We bring meekness. We bring patience. We bring love and harmony. We bring forbearance and forgiveness. We have the peace of Christ, the word of Christ, the lordship of Christ to go with us. We apply the things of Jesus as a balm to soothe the wounds of the world. Like the Good Samaritan of Luke 10. You want to read a great passage? Read Luke 10 this coming week. I challenge you, I challenge myself in 2021 to come to the wounded, to come to where they are, to clearly see them, to really see them, and then turn the lens of Jesus on them, to have compassion, to not simply shake our heads and walk away, but without hesitation, to plunge into the ditch with them, to bind up the wounds both physical and spiritual, pouring oil on them to offer shelter and comfort and care and to pay for it out of our own pocket. In 2021, 
Let your focus be on Jesus and His things. Seek to bring His kingdom, to bring heaven to earth to Burlington, Vermont. Let's pray. Father God, I ask that we would bring the kingdom. As the Lord's Prayer says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that we might bring Jesus and the things of Jesus to bear on our situations, the problems that we face, whether it's the loneliness of COVID or the hurt and frustration of discrimination, whether it's the 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 hatred that has surrounded our election and the the differences that we have, Father, I pray that we would apply Jesus, that we would be focused on him and be able to practically apply Jesus to these things. Father, help us to do that as we look forward to the coming year. I pray this in your name, Lord Jesus.